right. Full house today. Look at that. Good morning. Thanks, team. You're all part of the team now, right? That works. Actually, we just we just talked about that in uh, Wednesday Bible study. Yep, one team with us all. And good morning to all those that are here via Zoom or watching online. Great to have you with us this morning. Well, today obviously is the Super Bowl, so I had to weave it into the message somewhere, right? Uh, I don't know who you're rooting for. I was going to do a show of hands, but I thought, you know, I don't want to start a rumble in the church first thing in the morning. <laughs> and blessed are the peacemakers. So let's, let's, uh, but, but, you know, I actually believe I've heard from God on this, so I'm going to make a prediction. And I predict that somebody is going to lose. <laughs> I predict that a whole lot of people are going to be disappointed, right? But that's not the part I heard from God. Uh, the thing is, is that disappointments happen in life, don't they? Disappointments happen. Now, to me, because I'm not a player, and I'm not an owner, and I'm not on the team, I'm not uh, a coach or anything like that, I don't have anything invested in the game. So to me, whoever loses today is, is not going to be a major disappointment in my life, right? But we do have significant disappointments in life, don't we? When things that we've been hoping for, praying for, working for, don't come to pass, or even if the opposite happens, right? Uh, loss and grief, it's, it's hard to go through disappointments in life. And how you and I deal with those disappointments makes the difference of whether we can move forward, gain from the experience, right? Or whether uh, we, we can face joy again in life or whether we get stuck, whether we throw in the towel. So dealing with disappointment, I believe the Bible gives us some insights so that we can indeed move forward and experience even more than we had hoped for before. Turn to Exodus chapter 4. I want to simply title the message this morning, Dealing with Disappointment. Exodus chapter 4. Most of us are familiar with the story of Moses. Um, here he is before the burning bush. Um, yeah, thank you. And... So he's, he's there, he sees this bush, it's on fire, it's fully engulfed, and yet the bush is not burning up. It's still intact. And he's like, I, I got to see what this is all about. So he goes up to it, and he hears this voice, right? Uh, Charlton Heston in the background. Oh, yes. How many saw the, the, ten, oh, the old Ten Commandments movie? Um, so yes, God speaks to him through that burning bush. And God says, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm choosing you, Moses, I'm paraphrasing, and I'm going to send you to Egypt because I've heard the cry of my people. I'm going to deliver them from Egypt. I'm sending you to do that. And he gives him miraculous signs, right? He takes his staff and he throws it on the ground. It turns into this huge snake, you know, and he jumps back. And then he, God says, grab it by the tail, and he grabs it by the tail, and it turns back into a staff. 
And he puts his hand into his cloak and he pulls it out and it's leprous. And he puts it back in, pulls it out, and it's all healed, right? He's got these, these, these signs, right? He's all set. And then also, he even, God even independently speaks with Aaron to go with him. And Aaron comes and joins him. And they get ready to go to Pharaoh and command him in the name of the Lord to let the children of Israel go out of Egypt. Let's pick up the story, Exodus 4, verse 29. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had given to Moses and did the signs in sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. After Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three-day journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore, they cry, Let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Verse 19, the foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce the number of bricks, your daily task each day. And they met with Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Verse 22, Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Are you feeling where Moses is at? I mean, this wasn't something that Moses hoped for and prayed for, right? This was something that God Himself, right, appears to Moses. He can see Him with His eyes. He can hear Him with His ears, right? This is, this is a, you know, not just, well, I thought I heard something. No, this was, you know, God appears to him, commands him to go, right? And Moses does the right thing. He goes. He obeys God. He's doing the right thing thing and all of a sudden whammo it doesn't work out anything like it was supposed to right pharaoh is indignant it's worse right the israelites workload is heavier they're even more a stench in the eyes of the of the egyptians and more than that the israelite leaders are now sorry that moses ever shows up that's a tough place to be in isn't it Ever been in a situation like that? Hoping, praying, working. Worse. 
It got worse, Lord, right? So what does he do? Moses gets on his donkey, rides back across the desert, and says, forget the whole thing, right? No. Nor does he throw a tantrum and blame Aaron and threaten everybody with his snake stick, right? He doesn't do that either, does he? What does he do? Look at it again. Verse 22. Then Moses turned to the Lord. Now don't miss this. Don't miss this. One of the things that I want to do as a pastor is to help us to interact with the Word of God. Okay? And God does not waste words. First of all, Moses turned. Circle the word turned. Moses turned. He didn't fixate on the problem until it consumed him like quicksand. He turned. He put his focus on something else. He put his focus on someone else, didn't he? You see it? Notice he also turned to the Lord. Underline the word to. A very small word with a huge meaning. He turned to the Lord. Moses doesn't turn away from the Lord even though he doesn't get it even though he very much feels abandoned by the Lord at this point in time, he still turns to him, right? He doesn't get in his own head and try to figure it out himself, take care of it, right? How, how many have heard of people that they say, well, God, you didn't answer me. I mean, maybe they don't say it out loud, but maybe in their hearts, God, you didn't answer my prayer, so I'm kind of done with you. And they never come back to church again. You ever heard of that happening? I hear many, many times, right? He turns to the Lord. And notice he also turns to the Lord. The Lord. Do you see that word maybe in your Bible in all caps? When you see that word, Lord, in all caps, that is the name of God. That's the, that's the name of God. My, my understanding is that when the Israelite scribes would write the name of God, they would get a, they, they, they would first of all um, take a bath, change their clothes, they'd get a brand new pen that's never been used, they would write the name. Then they would destroy the pen, lest it be used for anything common, right? Take another bath, change their clothes again, and go on to writing. That is what they thought of this sacred name of God. This is the name that God gave to Moses at the burning bush. Do you remember what he said? Moses says, who should I tell them? The Israelite elders has sent me to them. And he said what? I am that I am. Tell them, I am has sent you. Right? The scribes would write that name. They wouldn't even write the whole name. It was too sacred. They just wrote the consonants. Y-H-V-H. Right? Yad-Heh-Vod-Heh. Okay? Most scholars today um, have you know, done all the research and they, they believe that it is pronounced Yahweh. I'm sure you've heard that, that name before. Yahweh. This is the name of God. I am. Tell them, I am. Yahweh 
has sent you. I like this explanation from the website gotquestions.org. It says this, the word aye is the first person common singular of the verb to be. Okay? It would be used in any number of normal situations. I am watching the sheep. I am walking on the road. I am his father. However, when used as a standalone description, I am is the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency, self-existence, and immediate presence. God's existence is not contingent on anyone else. His plans are not contingent upon any circumstances. He promises that he will be what he will be. That is the eternally constant God. He stands ever-present and unchangeable, completely sufficient in himself to do what he wills to do and to accomplish what he wills to accomplish. So Moses doesn't turn to himself to try to figure this out. He doesn't turn to Aaron. He doesn't turn to anybody human. He turns to I am. Do you see it? The self-sufficient does what he wants, all sovereign, almighty God. That's who Moses turns to. And look what he says, verse 22. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? First of all, do you see, he says, O Lord. This Lord is the word Adonai. Right? It means Lord, Master. Okay? He's not talking down to God. He's not, he's not being the, the, uh, the well, I'm, I'm Moses, I'm, I'm the great Moses, and you let me down. What's wrong with you, God? No, he's still in an attitude of submission. You are Lord. You're the Lord. I'm just your servant here. Right? He comes in humility. Second of all, that attitude of submission. This is crucial. This is absolutely crucial. Oh Lord, oh Master. In other words, God, you're in charge and I am still here to do as you tell me. I don't get it. It looks like you've let me down. It looks like you failed in your promise here to me. I don't understand it, but I'm still here to do what you tell me to do. Crucial that we understand that. right? Thirdly, Look at the honesty. I love reality. We had an elder at church in, in Ohio. I always say, keeping it real. Keeping it real. I want to be real. Moses was real. Look at the honesty here. Why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to the people, and you have not delivered your people at all. I don't get it, God. I don't get it. I don't understand. You said you were going to deliver your people. You gave me the signs and the stick and the snake and all this kind of stuff. And you send me and I say, let your people go. And Pharaoh basically flips me off, right? I don't get it, Lord. I don't get it. God's okay with questions. God's okay 
with questions. He's okay with our confusion. He's okay with our frustration. He, he, he tells us to pour our hearts out to Him, doesn't He? To share with Him our pain. Sometimes I think God doesn't tell us the whole thing so that we will stay in contact with Him. Otherwise, we say, okay, I got this, God, and we go running in front of, ahead of Him, right? Take it over ourselves. No. He wants us to be in constant contact with Him. Chapter 6, verse 1. But the Lord said to Moses, Now... Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out. With a strong hand he will give them or drive them out of his land. Verse 6. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptian, Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And you know the rest of the story. God sends the plagues on Egypt, right? Great signs and wonders. Um, the most powerful nation in the world at that time, the, the, the Israelites were slaves. They had no weapons, no nothing, right? There's no way they could have staged a revolt on their own. God, with great power and might, right, does all these things. Interestingly enough, that God shows Egypt who worshipped many gods, including the god of the Nile, that the Lord turned to blood, right? The god of the sun, Ra, who, who God turned the light off, <laughs> right? God showed them who was really God, who was really sovereign over all that is. And the results of all of that, yes, God brought them out with a mighty hand and lined their pockets on the way, Right? They went to their neighbors and said, give me, you know, gold. Okay, here, here, take it. Go. Go, get out of here. Yeah. God had a plan, didn't he? <laughs> and, and, and the results were widespread. Right? Exodus 12 tells us not all, that, that a number of Egyptians and other foreigners came to faith and left Egypt with the Israelites. And even past that, even far away, others heard about the story and came to faith in the Lord, notably one Rahab the prostitute from Jericho, who showed that faith when, they, when she hid the Israelite spies. And interestingly enough, Matthew records, found herself in the very lineage of Jesus Christ. Talk about redemption. God had plan. God had a plan. Moses was disappointed, confused, frustrated, and didn't quit. And despite what it looked like, God had not abandoned Moses. God was working his plan, wasn't he? He was working his plan. He was faithful. He had a plan bigger than even Moses understood. And it wasn't for Moses to know it all, was it? It was for Moses to trust. It was for Moses to believe in the I Am. It was for Moses to give himself to the Lord to say, okay, tell me what to do here. 
I don't get it. I'm confused. Tell me what I should do. Lead me, Lord, in this as I'm stumped. And because of that, because Moses continued to offer himself, he turned to the Lord in trust and offered himself to the Lord. What happened? Moses got to be a part of incredible, incredible things. He got to be a part of this plan of God. He got to experience things that were just beyond his wildest imagination. Didn't he? Yeah. Because he turned to the Lord, pouring out his heart in humility and in submission, and instead of walking away or trying to control it and do it his way, God showed himself faithful through and past the disappointment, didn't he? Amen? Are you and I going to face disappointments in this life? Yeah, we are. Maybe you're in one right now. I don't know. Let me exhort you from the Word of God today. Turn. Turn. Get your eyes off the situation. Put them on the I Am. Turn to Him. Pour out your heart. Share with Him your pain, your frustration, your confusion, your questions. Give yourself to Him again. Lord, I am your servant. You're the Lord. Tell me what to do. I'm going to continue to follow, even though I don't get it. I'm going to follow what you say. I'm going to follow what you tell me in my heart. I'm going to follow what your word says to do. And I'm going to trust. Be honest. Be honest. Share with them your pain. Right? But offer yourself to obey His voice. And if we will wait on Him, we will be able to take part in His plan, which will be beyond our wildest imagination. Through the disappointments into the plans and purposes that God, our faithful I Am, has for our lives. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You are the I am, and yet we can call you Father. Even more than Moses. Moses knew you as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew you as Almighty, but he didn't know you like we can through Christ. Wow. So we call upon you, Lord. Some of us are in those disappointments. Some of us will be facing them somewhere down the line. Help us, Lord, to remember this. Help us to remember in our disappointments to turn. To turn to you. To remember who you are and what you're capable of. Pour out our hearts before you to trust and give ourselves to continue to listen to your voice. 
and obey what you tell us to do so that we might see your glorious plan come to pass in our lives. Thank you for who you are. Be glorified in and through us, we pray. And it's through Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to play a song for you this morning. It's recorded. I got the words up on the screen. Just let these words speak to your heart this morning. <clears throat>